Welcome to this Social Chain live webinar covering the topic on everyone's lips at the moment and no doubt in the future too, how brands work in the metaverse. And just a quick one, if you haven't already, please make sure to sign up for our Social Minds podcast for more weekly interviews with the best marketing minds in the world. My name is Callum McLeod, and as you can see, I'm joined by three very special guests from Social Chain. And firstly, from an innovation point of view, we have Pollyanna Ward, who's our head of paid social. Pollyanna's got a finger firmly on the pulse when it comes to the latest trends and updates in social and has been bringing brands to life online for the last seven years, both in the UK and in Europe, for the likes of Oreo, Cadbury and BBC Radio 1. Next up, we turn to gaming with Brett Claxton. Now, Brett's our senior brand manager at Social Chain Gaming, working on our gaming brands Game By and Frag Hero. And Brett has over seven years' experience working within the games industry with Game By and Frag Hero, having grown to over nine million followers with Brett at the helm. A highlight being when Game By achieved the status of the most viewed Facebook gaming page in the UK. Nice job. And covering all things from a sporting perspective, we have Ben Harris. Now, Ben was previously sports accounts director now business director at Social Chain. And Ben's worked in the world of sport for over 10 years, helping brands such as Coca-Cola, Puma, who I know are in this webinar, Manchester City and British Cycling maximise their access to talent and sporting IP. He's even helped Iron Brew become the most talked about brand in the world during the Commonwealth Games. So there's our guests. Now on to how this webinar is going to work. So we're going to break it down in three parts. We're going to start with an overall understanding of the landscape. So what we really want to do is, is break down Web3 in real lame and simple terms for you. Then we'll move on. We'll look at the opportunities and then the implications as well of the metaverse for brands and where brands can actually look to explore the opportunities here. And then finally, we'll cover the role of brands in the metaverse so far. So we've got our list of winners brands who haven't done so well. And then we'll also be answering questions from you, the viewers along the way. So if you have any questions, as you can see on the side, please leave them in the comments section and we'll do our best to answer them for 15 minutes at the end of the webinar. Now, without further ado, let's get started with the golden question. So what is Web3? I think if you think about the, the broader context of the metaverse and all things associated with it, with NFTs, cryptocurrencies, etc., the technology has actually been uh, around for quite a while. But I think what's got us into this this hype phase that we're in now, if we're being honest, is actually the, the sort of Facebook rebrand from Zuckerberg into meta. But I think what this actually signals, I think, is actually point in time, I think, after the pandemic, where people have potentially come to value digital things over physical things. And what Web 3.0 is essentially the technology that will potentially fuel the next stage of the internet, where everything is decentralized. We'll see the power put back into creators, shifted away from big tech. And it's essentially a virtual world where we can trade digital items, access experiences, buy virtual goods. And the dream is we'll be able to access this world from, from anywhere and there'll be tons of opportunities for brands to get involved. Yeah, yeah, really exciting space for sure. I think that's the thing that makes it interesting is that it's such a, it's trying to sort of sell this dream of, which we've seen in films like Ready Player One and stuff like that. And, you know, yes, Ready Player One was much more of a dystopian future, but they're trying to sell the good parts of that those films showed and give us a way to feel connected to people where 
you sometimes won't be able to, like as someone that lives quite far away from his family, you know, a way to be able to be close to them even when you are at a distance, which is a nice thing. I think especially over the last um, year and a bit, that's something that's hugely important. Yeah, massively. And I think, you know, we've got Web3, but we've also got other, I'd say, buzzwords at the moment that are knocking around. So we've got NFTs and the metaverse too. How does this actually all connect together? And then more specifically, what's the metaverse and what does it look like? The, the metaverse in itself, I think there's the dream that Facebook is selling or Meta is selling, should I say. Um, the, <laughs> so dream get used to that so- <laughs> the dream that is being sold, that is that you want it to be everything in one place. And, you know, you can go in and witness it all without having to go to different apps like you do now. Realistically, there's maybe more of a chance that what we will see is brands building up their own metaverses, which will have lots of different options of things you can do in there. So you can do your shopping in Facebook, you can do your shopping in Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's more likely what we might see is brands building up their own metaverses with hopefully one day seeing a joining together in the future. Yeah, I think actually we've already we've already started to see some, obviously some brands play there and there's some really nice plays which we'll come on to in, like I said, the second uh, section of this webinar. I think we've looked at really simple layman terms, like I said, of the metaverse. We've looked at Web3. And now I think let's tackle... Um, well, the three letters on everyone's lips, NFT, right? So there's this misconception that NFTs are, you know, JPEGs. Anyone can right-click on them and save them. Even if, you know, I've bought one for five million pounds or dollars, whatever it may be, you could just go on, right-click that and save it. And someone goes, well, I've just got what you've got for five million dollars. And we've actually seen, you know, digital artworks go for this amount of money, you know, in the form of apes. Uh, We've got punks, uh, cryptodes, we've got flies, anything you can imagine in the artwork form. Um, is, is out there at the moment. But other than artwork, what other things can we call NFTs, Ben? Yeah, I, th- I think firstly, you're absolutely right. I think there is like a bit of a misconception at the moment about what exactly NFTs are, because I think the main use cases we've seen and those that are generating the most buzz and mainstream news coverage has been in the world of like digital art. And I think that's understandable because we all know it kind of makes for good rage bait if somebody's paying over a million dollars for a JPEG of a digital rock or <laughs> paying over a million dollars for like Jack Dorsey's first tweet that everyone can see. And I think it's understandable why that's been the main focus of what mainstream consumers have probably seen and heard about um, in the news. And I think it's created a bit of cynicism about the space that it's essentially for the elites. It's a bit of a new flex for the elites that I can buy this like JPEG and it become my profile picture and it's a bit of a status symbol. And I think that is a bit of a like misconception when you actually understand like the technology that, that fuels NFTs, which is like essentially about um, smart smart contracts. Like essentially, like if you buy an NFT, you've got a token that like indisputably proves that it's yours because it's recorded on the blockchain ledger. Yep. And when you think about that, that is something that can have genuinely like transformative effects on the creator economy. And I think to Brett's point earlier, it's something that can massively shift the power away from big tech back towards everyday creators because all of a sudden you can mint anything. So if you're a new band, you can you can mint some song lyrics for a new song. You're like early fans can get involved and own that as an NFT. And then you're, A, that you're investing in the band, or but you've got a potentially really like valuable collectible there. But I also think for like 
brands, the potentially really exciting thing is like from an end user point of view, NFTs can become a means by which you can access richer and more exclusive experiences. So I'm sure Brett will be able to explain this better than me from a gaming experience, but the opportunities for gaming are endless in terms of being able to buy NFTs that are u- unique uh, to you within a game uh, that can like upgrade your gaming experience. But I think outside of the world of gaming, if you think about the ability to like use NFTs to give your most ardent fans like potentially like voting rights on like mm. the direction of the company or the brand itself, or as we've already seen, like NFTs as a means of accessing real world events. So we've seen it at a really sort of elitist level with the board ape. Yacht Club, where again, if you own one of these board apes, you can access these like major luxurious experiences, but you can ladder that down to more like everyday accessible events. So I'd, I'd really encourage brands to try and escape this sort of preconception they might have that it's about digital art and it's about just trying to create a load of hype. I think the brands that do well will try and provide an end benefit beyond <laughs> a JPEG to your point, Callum. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much more than artwork, right? You know, like you said, I think the music example is a great example there that if I invested, I actually heard this analogy from a good friend called Richard, who's uh, who's at social chain. He, uh, he mentioned if I was a, a fan of an upcoming uh, artist called Ted Mirren, for example, and I invested in him and bought his either NFT or his token and invested him at a really early stage. And he went on to become the next Ed Sheeran. Uh, automatically then I've got the bragging rights to say I was there you know it's the same you know with Beyonce fans for example you know if you're at the very start of when Beyonce was playing you know when she was playing town halls or, or wherever the small venues and now she's obviously global superstar it's almost that you know you're part it's that community feel again you're there from the very start what I want to do is, is bring this back to the present day then so Realistically, what's changed? You know, should brands completely be changing tack from what they're doing now? Should there be urgent board meetings being called after this webinar? Everyone's in uproar. Uh, did have to move straight away, or is it simply preparing for the future, just getting it right, just building those foundations, and when the metaverse really becomes part of our daily lives, they're ready. If we're being honest, like the the Facebook announcement did kind of tip everything into that hype phase, and may have like caused some FOMO-induced anxiety with brands where they feel like they need to get on it now. But I think in reality, we're actually in the very, very early days of Web 3.0. And I'd like, I think there's a really good analogy if you think back to like Web 1.0, we're sort of in the dial-up era. Or with Web 2.0, we're in the MySpace era where I think things are still like incredibly clunky And if we're being really honest, we actually don't have a clue how everything will look in five to 10 years time. So like if we think about like when MySpace launched in 2003, would we have predicted where we are now with like TikTok scrolling video feeds? Like probably not. So I think my first bit of advice for brands would probably say like, don't panic because we're still very early on that like S-curve adoption. But I think my second bit of advice would be to get learning and educating yourselves as soon as possible. So I think there's a there's a huge risk that Web 3.0 becomes one of those sort of tribal issues in marketing. And I think if you follow marketing Twitter, you can already see elements of that where you've got like certain old school marketers dismissing it as a load of hype that like brands don't need to worry about at all. But then you've got other marketers like who are like almost telling brands to get right on it. And I think the most important thing is to have an open mind and think like educate yourselves about the possibilities 
and prepare yourself for the for the future. It's one of those as well where the same with when Web 2.0 um, took off, you know, social media, you look at where Facebook was when it started and where it is now um, as Meta, it's completely changed. You know, um, Gamebyte has the Gamebyte shop and does some of its e-com strategies across Facebook's integrated shopping stuff. And that's sort of a almost early framework of what the metaverse might look like. It's a case of it's not fully there yet, this metaverse, this Web 3.0, but what is there is sort of signs of how it can be. So like things like the how Facebook and Instagram tie up to shops, you know, we're seeing shoppable lives more and more on um, TikTok and everywhere else, and we're seeing success with it. And I think as well, another place and another thing that will be important is just sort of looking at how advertising is being done in digital spaces already. So, you know, we've seen Fortnite with the huge digital concerts and all of these live spaces that are popping up and the fact that they're doing, you know, when a new film comes out, there's a limited edition skin. And even though, yes, that's not an NFT, it's something that, you know, in theory could evolve into something that is similar to an nft um if not an nft exactly and we've seen this evolution you know for decades in gaming where it has been you know you get these rare skins in runescape or um mmo rpgs and you sort of trade them with the community there and there's an economy within these communities and that's sort of what we're seeing with nfts but obviously the difference is there's real money there as well but yeah, it's it's an exciting time. <laughs> Absolutely is, and another exciting time because we have the the famous Pollyanna Ward, <laughs> the Ward has joined us. Uh, can only apologise for any web uh, tech difficulties there. Um, I don't know if we want to go back, uh, Pollyanna. I did pose a question to you at the very start. I gave you the big build up, and then we lost you straight off the bat. So I was hoping for a, a, a nice explanation of Web three. If if you could let us know on that, Pollyanna, please. Web 3, essentially, if you think about the internet and how it's evolved over the last 20, 30 years, Web 1 was very much read-only. So you'd go online and you could just read stuff. Web 2, think of it like your Facebooks, your Twitters, starting to build those communities where you can read stuff and then you can write things back. Um, But it's very much in the realms of those apps or those platforms. And Web 3, which is now kind of where we're going into, is very much owned by the individual. So people coming up with their own communities and setting the stage for what those look like instead of it all kind of being set and built on the Facebook platform. It's you can now go forth and build your own and what you want that to look like. Um, And then where that was kind of, I suppose what I really wanted to touch on there was just around how the metaverse kind of plays into that, which is this sort of collective virtual um, space where you can all essentially it's blurring that digital and physical. And so what you do and where you do it doesn't really matter because you can essentially be in the same room or the same space. Um, And hopefully right now the technology isn't quite there, but you can imagine a future where someone sitting across from you, you almost wouldn't know if they were real or virtual because Mm. the technology should be more real than real. Yeah, I mean, that's a crazy thought, isn't it? That, and and that's the thing. We are at the very, very start of this journey. I mean, for us to even contemplate where we are now in Web 2, back in the, you know, when internet was invented, it was, it w- this would have been a scary thought. So um, that's exactly where we are. And that's why it's so exciting, I think. And now we have that, 
you know, baseline understanding of Web3, the metaverse, NFTs, and, and with so many brands on the, the webinar right now, I want to change things up a little bit and um, really focus on brands and explore the opportunities and the implications of working in the metaverse. So how this is going to look and how do we get involved in this? So let's start with quite a broad question. Brett, uh, one for you, I think. What does what does advertising look like in the metaverse? So, you know, will there be uh, new digital retail spaces? You know, we saw that recently with John Lewis featuring in Fortnite. Uh, or are we actually reinventing the wheel a bit here? Uh, have we already seen certain ad placements happening in gaming before? I think one that springs to mind for me is is FIFA. You know, the, the advertising hoardings around the board are uh, Premier League sponsors, but in a game. So, yeah, are we, are we reinventing the wheel here? I think to a degree, there's definitely some wheel reinvention happening, maybe maybe to make it hover, to make it futuristic. <laughs> um, but it's a case of, you know, things work, you know, so why would you drastically change everything? So it makes sense to try and keep certain things that have worked still there, but then modernize so you can actually experience it in a digital space. Obviously, use Fortnite. I know I mentioned it before, but, you know, Fortnite has done loads and loads of advertising things from cross collabs with games with films um you know they've done digital screenings like a drive through cinemas but you can sit down with your mates and watch it um watch it there which is a really cool way to do it and they've recently purchased a company called Hom- harmonics who are the people that made G- guitar hero and rock band you know games that people used to spend a lot of time with and i believe their focus is going to be on musical experiences in fortnite so it seems mm. that their focus is going to be really doubling down on this sort of like concert and event space in there and building up this fortnite into be a metaverse and fortnite in itself is fascinating because it's a game that didn't exist in the way it has become famous originally and they decided to create this battle royale mode and then from there they just continue to build to it to almost create something like we've seen in minecraft which is just a space you can create whatever you want and it's nice to see that evolution um and in terms of other advertisement sort of opportunities there are games that are experimenting with um advertising actually within the game we saw it with sometimes the reaction has been negative so we saw it with one of the UFC games that came out there was sort of like in-match advertising of real things that were relevant at the time. But people were like, well, we've paid 50 quid for this. Yeah. And halfway through a match, you've randomly got an advert in there. And even though, yes, it helps add to that UFC experience, people don't really want that sort of experience. Um, but I've seen it in uh, Football Manager as well. There's a really nice use of it where it appears on the hoardings, but they have live adverts that can be there. And I think especially with things like esports and the growth of that, there's going to be lots of organic ways to update hoardings for brands to get involved like that. Yeah, really interesting. And, and that event space that you talked about, I think there's um, it's actually an example. I think uh, it was a couple of days ago, someone bought a, I think it was an NFT. It was a virtual yacht, essentially, on Sandbox. Uh, I think it was over five, it was over half a million, definitely half a million uh, pounds. And uh, I was trying to think, you know, what are they actually going to do with that yacht? Are they going to start, you know, hosting sort of virtual parties on that yacht? Could we see, you know, a Drake or a Jay-Z, you know, enter the metaverse and create a concert? That yacht? It's quite literally anything could happen, but I'm pretty sure that's what they have in mind for that rather than just saying they have a, a yacht, you know, on, on the sandbox. I mean, clearly gaming's explored a lot around advertising in game before, like you explained there, Brett. I just want to look outside of gaming for a moment, Pollyanna. So what are the opportunities for branded experiences and then obviously sales as well within the metaverse for brands? Where can they go here? 
So I think gaming is such a good one to touch on because essentially it's kind of like the lowest barrier for entry. You know, gamers already understand the nature of virtual purchasing, virtual spaces and um, sort of creator and community. So it, I can understand why you go into gaming first. And I suppose for brands, that feels like quite a natural segue into it. But I think now in terms of understanding where the opportunities are, there's kind of a bit of a spectrum. So you either need, I guess, a lot of cash, uh, which you'll convert into crypto to create NFTs, for example, or developing and coding experience uh, to build those worlds out. But I think where we're seeing probably the best brands at the moment is because we still don't know what the future of the metaverse will look like. You know, what we're seeing now is that initial hype where actually the real implications, if you think about back in the day, we all thought MySpace or MSN was the future of Web2, but actually we never saw Facebook and TikTok coming. So I think it's quite difficult to say exactly what uh, the opportunities will look like in the long term, but absolutely in the short term, in terms of those branded experiences, being able to offer something that benefits you both in the physical and the digital world. Um, most recently, I think it was Clinique offered up um, NFTs of uh, certain products. And so by having that NFT, there were only five of them made and they gave them away in a competition because again, just coming back to that barrier to entry, your average person is not going to know what an NFT is. So we have to remember we mm. are in a little bit of an advertising bubble. So how they did it was they just marketed it as an opportunity to win 10 years worth of Clinique products. That's quite an easy thing to understand. And you won an NFT. And then when you won it, they then held your hand through the whole process. And essentially, the end user is just experiencing this 10 years supply of Clinique. But actually, what they've done is created it as an NFT. So they'll then be able to receive further information. They're going to get information about new product launches. They can then help um, build up and do consumer research. And I think that's kind of interesting as well in terms of using it for um, information gathering and co-creating your next range of products. So thinking about NFTs, particularly as a sort of social currency, but also as a way to um, unlock that loyalty even further in both the physical and digital. But I think in general, though, in terms of actually just showing up into this metaverse space, whether it's virtual meeting rooms or virtual games, it's still not, uh, I mean, Zuckerberg's idea of the metaverse is that we'll all just have really glorified Zoom meetings. But I think yeah. there's probably a lot more exciting things to come, to be honest. <laughs> to be honest, in Meta's uh, announcement video, you know, we literally just saw avatars of you, right? But I think one of the, the main things I want to be able to do in the metaverse, like, I don't really want to be me. I want to be like a lion or something. I, I, I want to be something I can't be in the real world. I want to be that in the metaverse. I think the, the Clinique example is a really nice example. And, and I'd probably like to nail down a, or, or go down the kind of fashion route a little bit more. One reason for that is I really like how Gucci's moving in the space. I think they're doing some really nice things. And if you've not seen them, uh, go and check it out, especially um, their Gucci garden experience. That was a few months back uh, on Roblox, but it's essentially where visitors could visitors could go and, and visit the garden and explore the house's creative vision. You could then purchase avatar items. You can kind of pimp out your metaverse being, like I say, you you then kind of creating this otherworldly being for yourself. So I guess uh, I guess the question here then is is how can brands use the partnership like Gucci and Roblox? How can they use that to then maximize their virtual opportunities in that space? So I think there it's having it kind of comes back to that um, sort of piece around brand building versus performance, and I think the metaverse is a prime example of where you need to be investing in those 
distinctive assets of yours. If you take the Gucci example, they've got an iconic logo and you can spot a mm. Gucci ad a mile off. So bringing that distinctiveness um, just means that essentially you've got a really strong IP, which you can then use to expand into new communication channels. And Metaverse is one of them. So if you're a brand wanting to utilize partnerships, it's really thinking about what is some, have you got a character? Is it a certain um, aesthetic or is it a certain product? Any of those things that have a really strong, I don't want to use the term brand love, but in terms of it's a brand for me. So it says something about you. If we think about personalizing your avatar in the online world, it's no different to you going out and buying a certain uh, style of clothing in the real world. So I think that's where you're starting to see Gucci actually selling its stuff for even more in the virtual world than you are in the physical, because the idea is that it can cross different platforms. So it's got that longevity to it rather than just being a drop in the ocean um, of like a capsule collection that just lives around a pop-up. Now you've got this space where people, if they do attend your metaverse pop-up or they go and experience your Gucci partnership, that's then a piece of item that they'll have forevermore, essentially. Yeah, and, and and I think a lot of people at the moment are questioning, you know, how can something digital be more would be worth more than something physical? But that's exactly it. It's the use cases for that. And and the way that's going to explode, I'm sure, in the in the coming months and years is going to be huge. You know, and as and as per that Gucci example, actually, and there's loads of virtual goods that you can kit yourself out with. There's certainly some cool ones out there. Some are more suspect. Yeah, I think I saw uh, a balloon the other day, quite literally a yellow balloon, which uh, maybe won't my won't my uh, my metaverse uh, being carrying around because you know it's a balloon. But um, I guess Ben, going back to back to that, then what kind of virtual goods are are worth buying? You know, and also, is there a cost barrier or a technology barrier for the everyday shopper? So, for example, you know, my mum, for example, if she wanted to go on and buy something, is it that simple? Yeah, I think from a consumer point of view, in terms of what like virtual goods are worth buying, I think you probably have to decide whether you're in it to speculate or you're buying like to try and like genuinely own something valuable. So Mm. I think at the moment, to my point earlier, a lot of it is driven by speculation in terms of there's a bit of another misconception about NFTs is it's it's a get rich quick scheme. And I think think from a consumer point of view, you really have to think long and hard. Like, are you happy to just own this asset in in perpetuity or are you cynically looking to try and like sell it for a profit down the line? And I think if you're trying to like own something that's got more value than just the like, I guess the signaling of the statement of owning it. I, I'd be looking for uh, brands that offer like something that's a lot more than just owning that like visual NFT. And I think the brands that are doing it best are using NFTs as a means to give people access to a community where, like to my point earlier, like you can potentially like that token gives you. A voice in the community, whether it's like voting rights on the next product launch or product feedback, or uh, I think particularly for sports brands, does it give you like the opportunity to engage with one of the stars of the team, or a, like for a brand involved in sport, does it give you like uh, access to a celebrity or ambassador? But I think to like answer the second half of your question in terms of like costs and like barriers. I think as I touched upon earlier, like we know, I think everyone will admit how like clunky kind of the NFT buying experience is at the moment. So I bought my first NFT a while back just to like get a better understanding of the space. I think 
it took me about a week of researching like various platforms, like hitting some dead ends with like downloading like wallets, like buying certain cryptocurrencies, getting into like gas fees, like speaking to friends in the space to make sure I wasn't getting Chrome like, extensions. Yeah, getting ripped off. And I think if we're honest, like anyone outside of the bubble of like the like web three or marketing industry would would just give up and not bother. But I think brands that have like been successful in this space have tried to strip down as many of those barriers as possible. So I think uh, like NBA Top Shots is actually ultimately where I, I landed in buying my first NFT because like uh, I think they've managed to provide the slickest like UX around where you can trade it with your credit card in a few simple steps. It's very obvious where your like NFT is in terms of logging in and accessing it and seeing if it's gone up in value or having your collection there. And I think uh, I think as well another like barrier that I touched upon around the jargon is I think it's another trap brands can fall into is getting so excited about this tech that they forget to communicate the end benefit to users. So like really basic analogy I use is like when I'm buying off Amazon, I don't care how they get the parcel to me. <laughs> I buy it because I know I'm getting it the next day. Yeah. And I think when brands are like trying to encourage consumers to buy into this space, tell them the benefits of what they're getting rather than the, the, the temptation to go into a bit of a jargon black hole of talking, like even using the word NFT, like don't feel like you have to use that acronym when you're launching something, just tell people what they're getting. Do you think that will stay around, Ben? Do you think the the accurate NFT? Do you? Because I, I don't. I'm not convinced we'll be calling these things NFTs in a year's time. No, no. It's like it, it, I, I can't think what it'll be called. It may be, yeah, uh, keep it like community membership tokens. Yeah, or. Um, like a kind of yeah like a unique something unique i don't i don't know what they're called i was trying to guess the future and i don't know who's going to name them maybe there's an opportunity but yeah i'm not convinced nft and the word nft anyway will be will be around for much longer um talking about the barriers actually i think umberto uh put in the comments you know it was the same at the beginning of crypto now even now buying crypto through platforms such as coinbase is easy even for his mum so maybe my mum can get the uh the virtual goods uh uh, soon but um just i, I do I, like I, and i completely agree you know there are barriers at the moment um and that's not to say don't play in the area it's just to say it's something to consider you know i think um i saw a good example going around going around on twitter actually um the other week i think it was and it was in it was from el salvador they made Bitcoin legal tender, so you can obviously pay for items with Bitcoin. And this a, a beer vending machine that you scanned your phone, it was contactless, you you paid with Bitcoin, and then the beer would automatically start pouring. And he, I think he was probably at the machine for about one and a half minutes waiting for his Bitcoin to do all the back-end processing for his beer to actually pour. <laughs> and my thinking was... It's cool. And no doubt that technology will get faster and faster until it's at Apple Pay levels. But at the moment, you know, someone could literally just walk up and with Android or Apple Pay, uh, two clicks and a contactless and probably have their beer and drink their beer before the Bitcoin beer was poured. Um, so it's clear to see, you know, and I think everyone will agree there are technology barriers there at the moment, but that is something that we absolutely uh, expect to get ironed out as we go and as popularity uh, picks up. So, Brett, talking about these these road shops to shopping, uh, and I'd like to stay on the, the topic of crypto, actually, for the next question. Um, we're aware of the environmental impact of crypto. So, you know, at the moment with Bitcoin mining, um, a lot of gas fees, et cetera. Does this present 
a significant obstacle for sustainable brands, say like a uh, like a Patagonia or someone like that. You know, these brands who have pledged to reduce their carbon f- footprint, how can they get involved in the space? I think it's a case of talking to your audience first and finding out what their opinions are a lot of the time. We've seen, well, we, I have seen, um, as have other people, that a lot of brands that are very eco-conscious or even um, individuals that are eco-conscious and then have decided to get involved in the NFT space, there's been a backlash there because mm. no matter how much you say, oh, this NFT is actually environmentally um, neutral or you know that this NFT doesn't cause the same level of damage as this NFT, there's a connotation there that people have that NFTs are bad for the environment. And that's in itself, when we're talking about um, what our NFT is going to be called in a year, that in itself is something that will take time for people to, you know, learn that not all of them are bad. And some of them are bad. And there's no way to, for the environment, there's no way to, like, dodge that. And I think brands need to definitely, rather than just be like, hey, here's an NFT, when they're very much pushing an eco-friendly sort of push, you've really got to talk to your audience and sort of understand what your audience's opinions are on NFTs before Mm. you're stepping into that space. Yeah, that's it. I think that's a key piece of advice for brands. You've got to understand your audience and not everybody can play in this game. Richard had an interesting comment in the comment section. Uh, he wants to, well, he suggested creating a new name for NFTs, making it an NFT, and then when it becomes the name, you'll be laughing. So I don't know. Maybe we'll all be guessing <laughs> the name of the, what NFTs will be called in the future. Yeah. Maybe Richard shouldn't have shared that business idea with everyone there, should he? <laughs> I think as well, just quickly touching upon other stuff as well, there's a very much an issue at the moment where everyone wants to do an NFT because they've heard it's the cool trendy thing. So they're getting churned out more and more. So when you're saying, oh, this is environmentally neutral, it's not because this is something that didn't need to exist, but you're churning out this stuff that people don't want. And we're seeing that. We're seeing brands do it. And then the response being, I don't I don't know what this is. I don't care about this or it's too expensive. Like there's so many barriers um, and it is just some of them, some brands are trying to do it as a get rich quick or trying to just test the space, but putting the cost too high. And mm. what they're seeing is just a, it fail. And I think there's also then a problem with things like the Gucci example, as great an example as it is, it's going to need everyone involved in this metaverse to marry up and allow that Gucci costume to be, um, Gucci clothes to be used in every form of the metaverse. If, and if that doesn't happen, you might end up with a situation where you have, you know, you can use it in Gucci world or whatever the Gucci version of the metaverse is, but you can't use it in the games you're playing. And if you don't actually enjoy the Gucci version of the metaverse, was it worth the investment sort of thing? Like as someone that plays MMORPGs like Final Fantasy XIV and has bought stuff in that and Pokemon Go and stuff like that and bought clothes in that, like I understand why that fashion is wanted, but it's surely you'd rather spend it on something that is going to be something that you actually use every day rather than something you hardly ever touch. Um, you know, it's almost like fast fashion, I suppose, yeah. at that point. Yeah, good comparison. Yeah. And that's where the value comes from. If you can use it in, in so many different ways of life, that's when obviously the value increases. So just aware of time, over the last 20 minutes or so, you know, we've taken a look into what the future could hold for brands operating in the metaverse. We've talked about Gucci examples, etc. Well, let's take a look at some brands who have actually already taken a leap uh, for good or for bad. And let's see exactly how they did it. So I'm sure plenty of tips and pearls of wisdom coming up here. So 
Ben, uh, I'm going to give you the honours to start us off. Could you share an example of a branded NFT which, in your mind, was an absolute you know, 10 out of 10, knockout, knocked out of the park, and, and then what made it so good for you as well? Well, I absolutely loved what the Matrix have done with NFTs, like to raise hype about the next film in the fan franchise. So like, for anyone that like hasn't seen it, like people are being given the opportunity to purchase an NFT which will assign them an avatar based on ordinary people within the matrix. So I think they're minting a hundred thousand of these today, actually. Um, but as you, as we approach the like the official release date of the film, like uh, you will be given the chance to like take the blue pill or the red pill, like replicating the sort of main story arc of the film. So if you take the blue pill, I always like, hope I get this the right way around. <laughs> you'll stay locked in your current state, and if you take the red pill, you'll like transform into one of the Matrix like resistant fi resistance fighters. But over time, like everyone who like holds one of these NFTs, like their avatars will compete to become the one, i.e. Keanu Reeves in the film. And there's opportunities to like earn like super rare uh, NFTs and there'll be like a leaderboard. So they'll be gamifying the whole experience. And I just thought it was brilliant because it's a really authentic brand tie-in when you think about like the Matrix and what the film's actually about. They've absolutely got the license to yeah. like play in this space and the way they tied it to like the plot of the film um, is really smart and it isn't one of those kind of senseless money grabs that we've seen because they are charging like $50 for these NFTs but like there feels like an obvious like value exchange there and I think it plays to an exciting um, space in gaming at the minute around like play to earn as well which kind of flips gaming on its head like where typically like free to play games have been like trying to sell you stuff throughout the game and web three like there's this potentially interesting flip where you can earn stuff that's got genuine like monetary value by by playing these games and also if you just go to like the landing site like landing page where you can buy uh these nfts to my point earlier they've done a really good job of just trying to remove all those barriers so there's a really good faqs section and like to brett's point they've dispelled like like some of the potentially like negative like feedback that they could have got around the carbon footprint. So they've minted the NFTs on a blockchain that's like 99.9% more eco-friendly than without getting too technical, like typical like proof of work blockchain. So yeah, an all round like 10 out of 10 jobs. So I'm curious to see exactly how it goes down um, when it does officially launch later today. Yeah, no, great example. And, you know, he's talking about quick cash grabs, I think, the sporting arena actually has been pretty rife for these, unfortunately, at the moment. So we've seen, I think the Tyson Fury example probably stands out when he um, when he won his last fight, yeah, launched his, his winning NFT. And I think they had 10,000 of them and literally like one and a half thousand sold. And that for the space at the time was just awful numbers. And it was quite literally, you know, there was no, no experiences attached to it. It didn't offer anything. It quite literally was just buying, not the, not the JPEG or so, but the video. You know, there was nothing else to it. And until you start in integrating your brand in a, in a meaningful way, like The Matrix did, you know, it used obviously um, the film references and um, gamified it that way. Until you start doing that, these uh, NFTs, etc., are, I don't want to say worthless, but they just don't really mean as much as they could mean. So definitely worth thinking it through. That's an example of a bad one. And uh, without getting too negative, Pollyanna, do you want to give us an example of one that you thought maybe missed the mark as well? 
Yeah, I think I've probably touching on something that Brett mentioned earlier, um, just around the sort of environmental piece um, is BTS, the global Korean pop group, whose management company kind of went behind their back almost and released these NFTs. And there was sort of a Twitter riot that that they would never do that because they're quite pro, um, you know, supporting climate change and trying to and looking at green energy. So I think that one definitely missed the mark. Uh, And the second one is... It's a tricky one because I'm sure it did well because we saw it all over the advertising press, but I don't think the real world really cared. And I think this was Taco Bell's attempt at NFT art. And I think if you don't have that kind of cachet, I suppose, in the real world, no one's buying NFT Taco Bells in the real world. And all you're getting is, I say all you're getting, you're getting a really cool piece of art, but there's that kind of felt to me a bit like exploiting the NFT hype rather than actually creating value. Yeah. So I think they did just miss in their execution there that what was the point of that? Was it just to get headlines and maybe awards rather than actually, you know, you're getting this because you're going to unlock something even bigger or better? No, good shout. I can see Eve is shouting McRib in the in the comments. Uh, we'll get <laughs> on to that because we do have a few words about that coming up, I'm sure. Uh, Brett, yourself, do you have anyone that missed the mark and any... Uh, any advice for brands who are looking into the space, um, how they can avoid from repeating the same uh, failures? Yeah, um, I think, in, like um, Pollyanna said, it is a case of the environmental um, conscious brands or um, groups doing it. If you go into the NFT space, you're going to get shouted out about it. Um, the lead singer of System of a Down um, released an NFT campaign, I believe, with Rolling Stone, and it was basically collabed with a eco-friendly NFT um, provider, but the audience didn't care because that information got buried beneath the initial announcement. So I think, you know, you've got to make sure you're saying it at the front end that it, you, that's the way you're doing it. Saw the same with WWF, the World Wildlife Fund. They introduced a really interesting thing, but the audience reaction to it was just sort of, well, you're an environmental organization and a charity it's like it's a bit strange to see you doing this regardless of how cool the campaign is um but the most interesting failure i've seen and it's a wwf's old namesake i suppose to a degree actually now called wwe um the world wrestling entertainment so you did that um they uh, it's, a, it's a nice segue i thought <laughs> um but, but it's always much cooler when you then point out that you've done a nice segue i find um <laughs> but they for SummerSlam, which is one of their big pay-per-views they had this very nice um, NFT bundle and it cost about five, I can't remember how much it was. It was a lot of money. Um, ben obviously mentioned 50 quid for the Matrix stuff. That's, you know, that's one of those things that like, yes, it's quite, it's not cheap, but it's enough that you might do it if you thought it'd be cool. This was like in the hundreds um, and you got an NFT of John Cena and loads of physical stuff that didn't really make sense and looked really cheap. And it was just a case of they really muddled up the message. They hardly sold any, and it just seemed to be just failure, I suppose, is the, yeah. to not mince my words. It, di- it didn't perform for the level of money that they were offering for it. Yeah. I mean, asking for it, it just didn't perform. Yeah, no, and 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 yeah, if all the brands watching, you know, I have, it's worth taking a look at these examples and seeing where they went wrong and learning on their behalf. Uh, they've done the hard work for you, and uh, yeah, have a look at those, check them out. And I think it's you know fair to say the WWF, the WWE, uh, they maybe could have done with a little bit more more strategy, I guess, behind their rollouts. You know, maybe they're just not taking the, the time to do due diligence or look into the audience or what they wanted, like BTS. You know, obviously they've not kind of consulted the audience feedback. 
on LinkedIn recently, I don't know if you've seen, but I've definitely seen on my feed job adverts across all sectors, loads of different brands who are hiring for roles like uh, what have we seen? We've seen metaverse creative, metaverse strategists. Um, ben, as a keen strategist yourself, I just want to know, do these make sense? Because in my mind, if the experts are that good or if they are the metaverse expert strategists, they typically have already been quite successful probably made quite a lot of money already and maybe actually wouldn't need that full-time role because they're doing so well themselves. Yeah, I think perhaps controversially, I think any good strategist should always have one eye on the future and should be pretty open-minded to opportunities like this. So I think any brands that already have like these type of people in post like will have a broad understanding of this stuff already and be well placed to like execute against like on it. But I think it's also important for brands to touch one earlier to like implement learning and development programs internally to upskill people like the same as we have with previous versions of the internet where everyone needs that base level understanding um, of the tech but I, th I think the other option for brands as well is to like focus that like upskilling on the teams where it's potentially going to impact the most so i think like community management for like for example is a really interesting area where like if we're being honest it's kind of something that's a bit like bottom of the food chain and like people sort of like give it to the most junior member of staff where if you think about this new web 3.0 world community management like is potentially going to be one of the driving forces behind it and if you can upskill your team to like tap in to some of the opportunities around nfts to build like proper communities not just social media followings then i think that's that's a huge opportunity i think the other area as well is is like branded experiences like Pollyanna touched upon is like upskilling those teams to think about like what does this tech mean for actually like making either physical experiences even better or creating bespoke virtual ones and then like product development as well thinking outside the box how can this technology like fuel genuine collaboration with uh like consumers to to like fuel whatever comes next from the brand but i do think to your point in terms of some of these job roles that are like uh, being advertised, like from an executional point of view, there's probably no hiding from the fact that this is a very technical space. And I do think it would be like sensible for brands who are trying to launch NFTs to like outsource it and speak to the like technical experts who like A, know what the community wants in a like visually from an NFT, but B, have the technical know-how to know how to like mint and promote it like properly in the most user-friendly way. Well, I think the challenge you outlined upon is absolutely right in terms of there's a big difference between this and previous like iterations of the internet where if you are an early native to Web 3.0, you are probably doing very, very well in this space in terms of if you've like if you were an early adopter on crypto or if you know your stuff with NFTs, is the traditional like brand agency role going to be that like compelling for you? I, there's, a, there's a question mark around like what you're going to get for your budget in that space and that's why i think it's different to web 2.0 way like because of the way the like the creator economy works you could get some very talented like social natives who would come in and add loads of value to like brands and agencies whereas i think this is going to be a slightly different world yeah no great point and and like i said you know i'm, I'm seeing 
these adverts, you know, for so many different sectors, it, it does look like like obviously everyone's getting involved. But I just want to stay on the subject of different brand uses for a moment. Obviously, with so many brands, big brands on this on this uh, webinar, are there different applications of the metaverse for different sectors? You know, how will this shift essentially impact? You know, say like gaming, uh, fashion, sports, even automotive sectors, for example. How will how how will the impact be different, Pollyanna? So I think if you take a bit of a zoomed out look at just the metaverse as say like another channel as it were in your marketing mix you know i think it was dan colton of itv i've seen quite a few people mentioning um the itv example in the comments um but you know he talks about how you can't move audiences so if you're a fashion brand or a gaming brand or a sports brand and you've always spoken to your audience on let's say social media, TV, and out of home, and then you're still missing, you know, a certain audience. And I think, you know, if we can say that the metaverse is an innovation piece, innovation has to unlock new revenue streams. That's kind of the role of the innovation department. So if the metaverse is a way to unlock new revenue streams for your brand, then absolutely the different applications then in terms of how you approach it is then the different ways in which you can, essentially you you are as a brand, you need to make money from it. So it could be that you go in to be merch-led if you're in fashion. Gaming, it might be tokens or power-ups. Sports, I think as you said before, it might be sponsorship packages or um, it could be you get to play with certain players in a certain sports team or automotive, you get to unlock certain, uh, you get to play on a racetrack um, that, you know, race against uh, a famous player. So I think in terms of how you approach it, it's always thinking, with you as a brand, you kind of do have to have your brand head on of is it actually going to be worthwhile in terms of going after a, an audience that you need to speak to? And is it going to, you know, help build your brand? And hopefully, you know, we're all in the business of making money for our brands. So I think it's just how you approach it is it is looking at some of the things that we've discussed today, which is, is it sponsorships? Is it creating your own merch lines? Is it partnerships? Is it creating your own worlds? I think one of my favorite examples is Vans and the Roblox, um, the Vans world they've created. And that's literally, we already know that Vans have these amazing House of Vans experiences and pop-ups all across the country. And now they're bringing it to life permanently with its own skate park and House of Vans within Roblox. And that's kind of a, another additional revenue stream for them because you're now getting audiences that maybe wouldn't be able to go to those real life experiences. So in terms of the shift, I think it's probably, again, touching on a few of the things that have been spoken about today in terms of you need to understand how the metaverse works. And I think, again, echoing the previous comments, it's very difficult to make a call unless you've gone in and actually lived and breathed it in the same way that if you want to activate on TikTok, get a TikTok account and start playing around with it and understanding how users behave. Um, otherwise, you will end up probably pissing people off rather than adding any value. Yeah, and definitely just get involved. Like Ben said earlier, you know, he, he was he was trying to buy an NFT and and eventually did. But it was that process that I'm sure he learned so much from. So getting, getting in there and just having a play around um, definitely, definitely helps. I think we've actually seen brands do this and we've seen a variety of examples from brands that I'd, I would probably split into two categories. So NFTs that are clearly just built for brand and then there's other ones that are for growth and for sales so i think there must be different rules you know for a nike for example um compared to a startup or a challenger brand you know looking at eve's favorite topic the mcrib um that is quite clearly an example of a brand play you know it was a simple retweet to win mechanic it, it wasn't really what nfts were about 
I think they were just testing the waters personally, just to show their active, um, you know, show their face in the space, uh, as opposed to actually driving sales of McRibs. Um, so what are what are the main differences in rules here for a startup versus an established band, say? Uh, it's a t- t- tough one, but I think it kind of comes back to what I was talking about before, where if you've got an established brand with an established, you know, IP, distinctive assets, you've got that years and years of brand love, let's say. So McDonald's, Nike, Vans, all, or Gucci even, you know, all prime examples of brands that have real sort of like loyalty attached to them almost. Uh, and I don't mean loyalty as in like adoring fans, just people that buy into those brands because they say something about them um, and they're obviously got really strong sort of positioning. So I think if you're an established brand, um, in terms of the rules and things, it's really thinking about how you can really stretch your IP into different ways. So obviously you've got the McDonald's example here, but I always like to think, you know, imagine you're Oreo and you've got that really distinctive iconic biscuit. So is there something that you can do with that that then stretches out into the metaverse? You know, you eat the cookies and it feeds, uh, I don't know, your sim or whatever and makes them full. I don't know. Like think of natural ways to bring your product experience into um, the metaverse. The slight difference, though, when it comes to startup brands is I think the real challenge here is the cost. Um, you know, to whether it's to create an NFT, you have to have a certain amount of cryptocurrency and also that knowledge. But let's say you have all of that and then you're going to go into creating a world, it's gonna, you're going to have to do some advertising in the real world. I think that's the biggest challenge here. So if you imagine a graph where on the left axis, I'm going to get my horizontal and verticals mixed up now. If you imagine on the vertical axis, you've got level of bespokeness. And on the vertical axis, you've got reach or scale. The more bespoke you go, the less reach you'll get. And so if you're a startup brand who's trying to create something new or something really unique and different, but no one knows who you are, you're probably going to have to go and invest probably in TV, out of home, social ads, et cetera, to tell people that you exist. Whereas it's probably a little bit easier for McDonald's to feed in their NFT activation or for Vans to feed in their House of Vans activation into their existing um, marketing activity. So I'd probably say it's, the distribution, isn't it? Getting the attention there is probably the main difference. Yeah, great shot. And and as I mentioned, I think the the, the McDonald's NFT was purely just a, a test, just to see if the audience was responsive or not. You know, some brands have done early testing um, with consumers who've just completely rejected that idea entirely. I think even the the BTS example earlier, Pollyanna was a was a good shot and a good example of that. So Ben, just quickly before we're going to head to uh, listener questions, what's the overall current sentiment in the space do brand audiences do they actually know what all of this is about yet never mind what they want from that brand in the metaverse where are we at with this i think if you look at like mass market consumers there's a healthy chunk who would look at like very blank if you ask them what an nft was Mm -hmm. and then there'll be a like subsection who will think it's what we talked about earlier like rich people buying jpegs and then there's an even smaller crowd who kind of actually get what they are and i think that's the battle for brands at the moment is fighting some of those like misconceptions like and i think that's fueling a bit of tribal or like negative sentiment at the moment amongst like mainstream consumers for want of a better phrase so i think in the sports world for example we've seen more and more footballers using their social channels to kind of like celebrate their like nft collections or and probably in like in the, in the spirit of trying to like credit the artist who's created them, like um, so Trent Arnold like bought 
a Muhammad Ali inspired like NFT that was a beautiful bit of art and he was probably sharing it for the right reasons. And then the sentiment was just overwhelmingly negative. So like bringing up points around the environment, but bringing up the whole right click, save as. But that's because they, they don't understand it, right? You know, like you said, and, and you know, he's doing it, he's, he's involved, he understands it, but his audience doesn't. So is that just, a, it's just, is that understanding your audience? Is that, do the audience need to get or be a bit more uh, educated just to understand what he's doing? Or is, because he's done nothing wrong there, has he? Yeah, I, th- I think the, the, the PR play and like, probably becomes even more important because like brands are kind of battling a lot of like misinformation when they come in this space because like consumers haven't heard all that negativity from like brands they've they've heard it in the press um so like the the, a really good pr strategy when you do launch an nft is probably like um like crucial especially in these like early stages but also links back to what i was talking about earlier is like talk to consumers in language that they understand rather than how we talk as like peers in the industry so like tell them the end benefit rather than like diving into the jargon of of how you know it's, it's very tempting to almost like for us in marketing to try and signal to our peers that like we're following the latest trends and we're up to date and innovative but i think it's a trap it's probably a trap that like mcdonald's fell into mm-hmm. and then didn't really communicate the sort of the actual end benefit yeah. to, to their users, if there if there was one, nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's uh, that's up for uh, grabs. But I, I've just gone through the time and really want to get stuck into these questions from our listeners. So I think it would actually be nice to end this section of the webinar with a little bit of advice for brands who haven't yet taken a leap, but it's definitely something on the radar for them. So Pollyanna, just quickly, how do brands who want to get involved in this, how do you suggest they dip their toes into this completely new digital world? I mean, echoing what I said before, I think you need to go in and try it for yourself. Um, I think it's really easy to look at a shiny new object and go, right, let's do that. Um, But I think you need to go in it, live it, experience it, ask your kids about it, ask your brother about it, um, and really get a bit of a good rounded view. And then from there, then understand, okay, right, who's your target audience? Is it right? And understand what your role is there. But I think I'd always, first and foremost, go and understand it yourself. Because I think there's, and obviously there's so many comments going around with lots of differing levels of knowledge around it, which is fantastic. There's loads of great discussion. So go and knowledge up first, and then let's go back in the same way that hopefully everyone here watches TV or is on Instagram. And then when they go and activate on Instagram, they kind of have that that base level knowledge at least there to understand it yeah great advice and i think that's it's not necessarily direct you know straight at the brand you don't whatever brand you're working for you don't have to get your brand straight out there um you know this is probably one more for your creatives or your tech guys or whoever it is um just to go and have a play themselves and build their knowledge on this um this environment and then bring that back to the brand to implement i think as a, as a nice wrap up i would i would probably say you know the metaverse might actually not be for every brand right now because we're in such an early stage. It is a great place to be if your brand's right. But if your brand is, you know, eco-conscious or you've not got that strong brand IP just yet, maybe it's one just to kind of hold off maybe not something to rush into just take your time and develop that strategy i think uh, the main thing from the past hour is that you know when you get it right you really do get it right but the time is on your side it it, it really does depend on the industry you're in you know there's so many different plays at the moment and 
as we speak, the space is quite literally being developed. And, and we've, you know, experienced that with social happening. And there was so many big winners from that. You have the opportunity to be original here. You have the opportunity to create something that's potentially never been done before. And if that's not an incentive, I don't know what is. The headlines are waiting for you and your brand. Um, so take the time, get it right. And if you get it right, I guarantee you'll have some fun with that and it will be so rewarding. Um, now, see, the questions have been rolling in throughout the past hours. I see um, Pollyanna's been in there, Ben's been in there, and Brett's been taking a look as well. And um, what we're going to do is just going to throw to questions um, to our panel. So first question is, is a really nice question from Natalie and Jamie. Uh, and they both asked, how do I create an NFT? And what's the best place or platform to start creating NFTs for a brand? Recently, one thing I do keep seeing is bad examples of NFTs. It's literally just like, let's turn everything into an NFT, every bit of video we're doing, every bit of content. And what you get then is a just like, there's no real value there. Um, you know, and I understand the Bored Ape connection and stuff like that. I um, I understand like they're making collectible cards, the same with the um, NBA example. Like it's creating a purpose for your NFT, creating a... Um, reason for it to exist, not just churning out an NFT because you've heard it's trendy. Because I'd argue in the metaverse, NFT NFT is probably the easiest way to look at this Web 3.0 and see profit in the metaverse. But I think there's much more interesting things in the metaverse that brands can be doing um, away from NFTs. In terms of where to upload it, um, I don't actually know that information. But if there is someone who does... Um, yeah. I will happily pass to them. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a few different places, but I think also someone was putting it in the comments as well. But there's essentially, you need to build it on a essentially a blockchain. So I think there's a site called OpenSea is probably one of the most popular. Yeah. Um, I've got a wallet on my phone, which is called POAP. Um, but again, that's where you upload them. But yeah, the OpenSea one seems to be the most popular. But from there, you then need to also have ETH or any of those other uh, cryptocurrencies um, because you actually then sort of pay to have it created on there. So have a look at OpenSea.io, I believe it is. Yeah, I think Coinbase, Coinbase is actually launching one soon as well. Um, and as soon as, as soon as that launches, it should be hopefully a lot more integrated. And as we spoke about before, Ben, you know, those, those barriers hopefully should start to lower. Now, Camilla's asked, uh, in the current early days, if someone purchases an NFT from a brand, like the Gucci example, how definite can we be there? would later then later be compatible in another virtual area i.e facebook's metaverse i mean you definitely can't ever say never never but essentially uh, and maybe it's touching i think someone else has asked a similar question just around these walled gardens and i think there's been quite a lot of commentary as well online around facebook rebranding to meta because essentially the whole point around metaverse web 3 as i was saying before is it's communities and the individual creating what they want the metaverse to be. Brands are just there to, in the same way in the real world, brands are just there to add a bit of value or fulfill an impulse need or to add some status to whatever you as the individual is. I think when it comes to the actual metaverse itself, because it's all created on, um, you know, I'm going to go into really ridiculous jargon now, but because it's all coding and it's on the blockchain and it's uh, living in this sort of virtual online space, the idea is that the metaverse, you can transcend different channels. So if you've got a Gucci jacket on in Roblox, you should then be able to go into Fortnite and still have the same one. So mm. the idea is that it's all built on this layer that lives above 
the real world, I think is the best way to describe it. And so it should, in the same way you can wear a jacket and wear that same jacket to different meetings, that's how it should play in the metaverse. And hopefully Facebook will not create a walled garden, sort of touching on (laughs) that other question there. Just to build on that, I think it's like um, really important, I think, for brands to consider like the direction of travel when it comes to Web 3.0. Because I think part of what's fueled it has been this shift to wanting to belong to a community. So if you own like a like uh, a board ape NFT, it's not necessarily about you entering this massive un- like metaverse that might be fueled by Facebook where you can show it off to everyone. It's about like you like using that to access a community of people who you know are interested in the same things as yeah. you. So I, I think personally, the 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 future of the metaverse will be about like communities who have shared shared passion points, and it probably won't be this like Zuckerberg fueled like massive virtual space where we can <laughs> farm everyone's data no matter what they're interested in. That's where everyone will kind of congregate. I think it'll be micro communities where people can connect with like-minded people we've seen one thing in web 2.0 you know the growth of memes and stuff like that for brands to maybe be slightly less particular with their copyright to help their brand go further obviously keep your stuff copyrighted but you know let memes meme and go places and it's the same as i've seen some brands have been like trying to trademark as much as possible so when the metaverse hits it's all trademarked up but it's also a case of like you know you don't want to be being too much of a no fun no spreading the awareness of the brand unless you're buying through us you want to embrace the web because you know web 2.0 has shown the negativity that happens if you do not embrace um things like memes yeah great shout uh moving on to raised questions so raised asked uh if you're a small creator right now is it worth creating nfts how can small businesses and creators get into the metaverse early i mean <laughs> i do have a couple of friends that have gone into the creating of nfts um one does me does it through music and the other one has done it through art but again it's that same question same piece that i mentioned earlier is that yeah they've created it and they're 100 followers Followers are aware of it, but the scarcity and the creation of the NFT, you know, the value of it goes up with the scarcity, but also with the value that it has. So if you're a small creator, yes, okay, make it so that you're sort of future proofing for um, going forward. And obviously, let's say you are a musician and you can use that to release samples from your next track or uh, release certain merch or, or or anything like that. That's fantastic, but it's still the distribution part that you're missing um, because you're essentially only touching a very small scale audience right now. And so you'd still need to go and do all of your other advertising, you know, at the end of your show or the end of your set, say, you should go buy my NFTs on your Spotify, have a link to it on your Instagram, have a link to it. So it's kind of, it's got, for me, it's got the same application as when you're thinking about going onto a new channel. Absolutely. Let's go and be on as many channels as possible if you can, if your audience is there and you're able to offer them value. Fantastic. But if not, I'd really evaluate whether you can afford to make those NFTs have value, especially if you're quite small at the moment. So I'm not saying not to do it. I think it's fantastic if you can, but I'm just wondering whether is 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 it 
worth going into NFTs now? Or could you take advantage of perhaps, um, again, just using musicians as an example, is it better to take advantage of, say, the new merch shops on Spotify that you can have or, mm. or things like that? So it's really just understanding, is it going to be, in, is it going to unlock a new revenue stream for you, basically, or cost you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially if you're a small business. Uh, Emily has asked, uh, and was actually reinforced, uh, it was a great question by Billy in the comments. Um, there's been some stellar examples in Roblox that we've covered today, you know, Vans, Nike, NFL, Gucci. Uh, what role do you think younger audiences, say under 16s, play in the metaverse? Bearing in mind half of the users on Roblox are under 13. I think with that, it's, you know, as someone that was brought up with tech and can understand, um, I know like when I pass my controller to someone who hasn't like played a PlayStation since um, the first one, they can find the number of buttons on there a bit overwhelming at first and have to look down and check and stuff like that. You know, I've got friends whose kids know how to use an iPad by age two and stuff like that. It's a case of, it's a generation who understand how things work and um, sort of how I touched upon earlier, like how gaming has sort of done a lot of the things, especially the metaverse side of it, so having a space to exist and do things, um, how games have sort of been doing that for a while. Roblox is a prime example. And I think what they will be able to, what younger audiences will be doing is obviously find the transition to this new way of existing, this new way of shopping, this new way of doing everything, that little bit easier, Mm. um, which will be great. And it's just going to be a case of making sure that your brand's being there is going to be really important just to help make your brand identity live longer than just, you know, an older generation, as the same way as advertising on children's TV or advertising on um, children's entertainers and stuff like that, it all makes sense to do because you do want you, the younger generations to know about things. Yeah. Um, YouTube, sorry, I was going to say YouTube Kids being a very strange example where recently I remember seeing just loads of Squid Game videos popping up and obviously that was a bit in the news as well, but it's that sort of thing is things that maybe aren't specific to kids still get to kids somehow. Um and just like the triangle circle square from Squid Game, I know people were seeing it on PlayStation stuff saying, oh, look, kids were seeing it saying, look, it's the stuff from Squid Game. Um, and so you're seeing how easy it is to actually teach children about your brands by doing it. Is there actually a worry here that, you know, if, if, if half these on Roblox are under 13 um, and now we're talking about... Um, being on there uh, in the metaverse with crypto and then you start getting into the kind of uh, investing side of things is that a bit of a danger that we've got you know quite a young audience here in in something that essentially is investing it's the same as gaming at the moment you need to have roblox in place to sort of say look you can't get this much branding if you're under this age you have to tell us your age so we can do this because you know, a 13-year-old shouldn't be getting pushed gambling adverts. A 13-year-old shouldn't be getting pushed, shouldn't, a uh, five-year-old shouldn't know what Squid Game is sort of thing. It's a case of just making sure that there is a way to roadblock. So, you know, having some branding is nice, but you shouldn't be forcing adverts on young kids and giving it yeah. so they can have ways to buy things. Yeah, and that goes in social as well, doesn't it? I think let's, um, let's end with one final question. Uh, ben, I'll pass this one over to you. We're all very excited to enter this new world, but Scott's asked, what innovations do we have to see or what do we need to see in order to make NFTs or the metaverse more accessible for the masses? For example, you know, Clinique, uh, the NFT example that we talked about, he says it's a really nice idea, but it was limited due to the complex nature of attending 
maintaining the wallet fairly challenging to grasp for your every average customer i think on that point i think it, it links back to the point of the right of the very start that was in such early stages and there's just still a lot of friction doesn't matter what elements you're talking about like we've not talked much about virtual reality but there's still that just inescapable friction of having to buy a headset and wear a headset to enter essentially a virtual reality and like who knows where the tech might go there where we get back into that world where you might just need to don a simple pair of, of glasses which removes a lot of like friction from the user journey but like also with things like nfts is just yeah that if we can get it to, to a point where it is as frictionless as where we're at now with apple pay and contactless payments then that's like uh potentially opens it up like massively um for brands but yeah, I think it's one of those where we've got to keep an open mind on where the tech uh, might end up to make it to make it a lot more accessible. I think it needs to be ubiquitous, doesn't it? Like you kind of need to be able to just access it at the touch of a button, not almost putting loads of headgear on and attaching gloves and things like that. I think it just needs to sort of be on the periphery and the technology to make people look real <laughs> needs to be there. So we don't all look a bit pixelated. <laughs> and that's the issue, like ga even gaming in itself, like VR is there and it's definitely a strong part of gaming. It's headsets have sold, but it's not a mainstream part of gaming. It's not like everyone, I talk to most of my mates, like what handful will own VR headsets, but not everyone's owning them. And now you're trying to push that to an audience that has never like gamed before. And everyone who will try on a VR headset was like, oh yeah, that's really cool. But is it... And one, there's the cost factor. And as you sort of said, it's just there's so much layers of putting things on. It's an awkward thing of just there's too many layers in five years' time. Exactly. It's simply where we are. And I don't want people to get this twisted. You know, this is not a, it's absolutely not a negative view on um, the metaverse or NFTs. We are all extremely excited by this. I think it's more a reality of just where we're at at the moment. It can be quite daunting for um, the average user to try and enter this world. As you've seen from the questions here, um, we've got a lot of brands asking, you know, how do we get in here? And that that is just where we're at at the moment. It's obviously something that is so, it is mainstream in the news, but the accessibility isn't quite mainstream yet. So we're going to have these uh, teething problems. But I can, I can assure you we're also very excited about um, where this could lead. Oh, unfortunately, that is all we have time for today. So I want to say a massive thank you to all our brands, clients, and people in the comments for tuning in. A massive thanks to our guest panel, Pollyanna, Ben, Brett, for joining us and sharing their wisdom. Um, I, for one, like I say, I'm just so excited about this space and the opportunities that lie within it i really can't wait to see what people do with this and brands especially and if you enjoyed this webinar then please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast social minds where myself eve and pollyanna cover all things uh, marketing throughout the week so thanks again and uh, hopefully see you in the metaverse mm -hmm.